Well, it's a, it's a real joy for me, and uh, this time with my wife, to uh, come and be among you uh, today. It's uh, initially when I was planning on coming to, to the U.S., uh, I didn't figure the fact that I would be with this church fellowship during this week. But I, as we will be speaking this evening on the subject of uh, evangelism, uh, I'll mention the fact, in fact, the main thesis of my message uh, tonight is that God himself is the main driving force behind the work of evangelism. Well, in many ways, he's also the driving force behind uh, the way in which the church continues to be edified. Uh, so many times we might have plans in one way or the other, and the Lord has different plans. And what matters is that we obey him, we respond appropriately to, to him. So uh, this, this evening, my plan is to spend some 30 minutes or so uh, speaking from the book of Acts and chapter 8. So if you could turn there with me, Acts and chapter 8. And then I would like to spend uh, about 20 minutes or so uh, answering questions. So I'd like this to uh, not be a monologue. Uh, I'd like to have an opportunity where we are talking together about the subject of evangelism. Uh, so in drawing your attention to Acts chapter 8, uh, let me quickly give some kind of reasons behind what I am doing here. Uh, first of all, I've gone to the book of Acts primarily because, as you know, uh, that's where the church began and then spread across the known world. And so if we want to look at what God himself was doing in the growth of the church, we, we go to a book like that so that we, we are not just learning the doctrine, but we are also learning from uh, an actual example of what God was doing. But number two, especially Acts chapter 8, um, we, we often just want to see the gospel being shared, we miss out on how that came about. And because we miss out on how that came about, we ourselves are often um, prevented, in that sense, from seeing the opportunities that are there for us to participate in, in gospel work. And that's why I come to the story of Philip. Uh, we, we know that Philip shared the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch, and that man got converted. And so would have brought the gospel into his own area, which would have been uh, Ethiopia uh, itself. Uh, but I don't want us to go all the way to the actual sharing of the gospel. What I want us to do is to look at how uh, Philip found himself doing that. So 
uh, we will begin with uh, verse 25 of uh, Acts chapter 8 and then stop just before Philip shares the word of God with uh, this man, which will be in verse 30. So just before that happens. What I will do is I will read verse 30 as well, just for the purpose of context, uh, just as verse 25 is also context. So if you are there with me, I quickly begin reading. <clears throat> Acts chapter 8 and verse 25. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place, says Dr. Luke. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. And then, purely for the purpose of context, so Philip ran to him and heard him, um, sorry, lost that here, and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? There is a lot in this passage of scripture that we've just read that one can speak about in terms of it being miraculous, supernatural, something that may not necessarily ever happen to us. There's also the fact that Philip was referred to as the evangelist. No doubt he was already gifted as somebody who had a zeal and a desire to share the gospel. And hence, as he stood next to this man, reading the book of Isaiah, he was immediately able to say, do you understand what you are reading? In other words, he was opening up the topic that would enable him to squeeze in the gospel. But... What it is that was happening to um, Philip is something that actually happens to all of us as individuals and to us collectively as God's people. And it is that which I want us to look at, especially because it was being driven by God himself. And the very first one, is simply what I am saying, that what we learn from this story is that our involvement in the work of evangelism is driven by God's providence. 
It's driven by God's providence. In this particular case, there was something that was more supernatural, and it was the angel saying to Philip there in verse 16, rise, rather verse 26, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And then we are told this is a desert place. Let's notice that the angel has not said to him that when you get there, you'll find this man who'll be in this chariot and you speak to him. There's nothing like that. He simply had this, whether it was an angel's voice or an urge, which he concluded was an angel saying to him, go to this place. And as we are told, it was actually a desert place, which being here in Arizona makes me feel like, okay, you know, this might be close to what he may have seen. The point is, he went without knowing what awaited him there. As we've already said, how he knew it was an angel, we don't know. What matters is this, that God was moving his servant in order to use him where he was taking him. That's the principle that we shouldn't miss. And whereas we may not be moved with an audible voice of an angel, the truth nonetheless is God actually moves us from place to place as individuals and collectively as his people. In Genesis and uh, chapter 1, God says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. That essentially is what often moves us around. It is to do with ourselves being prepared for the cultural mandate or ourselves actually engaging in it. And by that, we are moved from one place to the other. And then in Matthew 28, the famous passage of scripture, um, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Again, you'll notice there is the going, make disciples of all nations. In other words, whether it is to do with what we would call you know, being prepared for careers or careers themselves or because of church work itself, one of the things is this. God moves us around from place to place. He moves us through all these kinds of different situations. Our task is the need to see his hand in all this. Whether it is a moving into Casa Grande or a moving into a particular location or neighborhood of Casa Grande or moving into a new school or moving into a new workplace, just 
having the sensitivity that God controls providence. It's God who has brought me here. And because I am a Christian, therefore, I am saying to myself that in God bringing me here, he may be wanting to use me. As Philip certainly did in this story, as I said, the angel didn't say to him at this point, I want you to evangelize, but definitely said to him, move, get to this place. That's my first appeal. The need for us to recognize this, that these movements that are so much part of our lives, God is in them. But number two is to have the spiritual sensitivity and emphasis. The spiritual sensitivity and emphasis. How do we see this with respect to the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip? I want you to notice the way in which this man is described in verse 27. And the main thing I want you to notice is the major contrast between Philip and this man. Look at the physical, material, and cultural difference that is there. We are told in verse 27, and he rose and went. And when he got there, the person he sees is an Ethiopian who is described this way. And there was an Ethiopian a eunuch, a court official of Cadiz, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. That's the first thing that we notice there. It's, if anyone could describe a real contrast to Philip, it would be the example that was there at this point. Just by starting the description as he was an Ethiopian, the point is fairly clear. He was not from here. He was a foreigner. That's already what is being made there. But number two, it is referring to what I would call the, the social or, or economic difference that was there. Because this man was a court official of candidates. It's like what happened to me just last week. There was a gentleman who was driving me around, um, going from place to place, from the hotel over to where I was speaking, back to hotel and so on. And then at a certain point, he says to me that uh, I've retired. I, I used to work in the, um, the, the security wing 
that would be ensuring that the President of the United States is uh, safe wherever he is going. Immediately, you can understand the way I began to feel being, with this, being driven around by this particular individual because he brushed shoulders with quite a number of USA presidents have never been in the same city, not even the same room, in the same city with the President of the United States. So the, there's the immediate difference that is there between the two of us. What seemed to have been a commonality is that this individual was a worshiper of God. As we are already told here in this passage of scripture in verse 28, he was returning, seated, or just before, he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So on one hand, there is a huge contrast. Then on the other there is some commonality. And it was because Philip had this sensitivity that he then proceeds to do what he does in the next verse. To still go to him and to still then ask a question that leads to this opening so that they could talk about spiritual things. Contrasts and commonalities are actually open doors as well for us. It's very easy for us to think that because there is a contrast, therefore, I should not have dealings with these people. And what you do then is you miss a golden opportunity. In our own country, speaking in terms of Zambia, for instance, we find that I'm in the, the city of Lusaka. And Lusaka is a place where a lot of young people leave their cities and villages and towns around the country to come for their education. There is a major contrast between those young people and myself. They are young, for one. <laughs> I am in the late afternoon or evening of life. They, they are wild because that's all they have come to know. I am an individual who, by now, uh, have got a lot of what we call culture to my own life. There, 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 is, there, there definitely is a lot of contrast. A number of them come, and they're extremely poor, uh, but they've come for their education and so forth. Uh, and it's, it's important, not just for me, but for our church to say, well, we may not be like them, 
But here could be an opportunity for the gospel. This could be a place where we could start from and share this message with them. There's a contrast, but we could be a great help to them. In New Testament days, especially, the subject of hospitality was huge. In fact, the phrase that was used in the New Testament was this. Lover of strangers. That's really the Greek word for hospitality. It's loving strangers. Or let me use another phrase, loving foreigners. Those who come into the city and they are in the public square or the market square and they've got literally no home to be in. Those individuals who would then go to them and say, come and spend the night with me, that was the picture of hospitality. In a sense, it's actually love that's making you cross the boundary to reach people who are not like you. We will see that that's what moved this man to cross over and have some kind of dealings with this individual. He, there was spiritual sensitivity. Let me throw the ball into your court because often the opportunities that we have actually for reaching out to people is because of that same contrast. We have, they do not have, we can actually cross over and be able to enter into uh, those dealings with them because we are interested in them. But sometimes it's not because they are strangers in terms of foreigners or because they are uh, individuals who uh, are needy in that sense, but it is because the difference is, I'm again talking about contrast, is spiritual. The, their lack of Christ is actually what is, has brought them into some major, major crisis. And so again, that contrast opens doors that enables you to be able to minister to them. So you might be meeting in Walmart, you might be meeting in some restaurant, and the conversation that you are hearing is already suggesting that what Christ has done for you to make you what you are today is what that family, those people, that individual is completely lacking. That's already speaking of a major contrast. It's you and your spiritual sensitivity that ought to enable you to, as it were, cross over and make this an opportunity for evangelism. Let me throw in just one more uh, before I, I still have another five minutes or so that I want to use. And it is for you 
as a church, as a church body, being deliberately conscious of, again, what you have, largely the gospel, and what is missing on the opposite end. And for you to be able to say, again, here is a contrast, let's make use of it. But quickly, we notice that this person had already some kind of interest in the God that Philip believed in. We are told there that he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and in fact, he had a Bible. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. In a sense, that was now a commonality, something that they had in common that he could then take advantage of and begin the conversation. Spiritual sensitivity and the spiritual emphasis is what easily sees these opportunities as well and makes use of them. So the challenge I want to make with you, and I'm hoping when we come to Q&A it will come up, is do you see these things? And do you see in them opportunities for you to engage ultimately as a door for evangelistic work? But let's quickly hurry, hurry on because I want to end with obedience to God's command. Obedience to God's command. This time, it's not an angel. It is the Spirit of God. Verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. We are not told how Philip knew that it was God's Spirit directing him. What we can say is that he knew what his course of duty was. And it is this. Go and get close enough to that person. Go and get close enough to that person. Now notice he's not saying to him, go and evangelize him. That's not in the text. It's simply, go and join this chariot. It is in going and joining this chariot that he then found him reading Isaiah and then asked the question. Let's quickly see that. And the Spirit said, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and then asked, do you understand what you're reading? Opening the, op the door for what then happened after that. Go over and join this chariot. Go and stick close to this person that you have very little in common. And then as you get there, you discover that you do have something in common after all. What 
mattered with Philip is his obedience. He went. After that, it was clockwork. His desire to share the gospel finally came through. He left everything else to God. He simply obeyed. I think the point that I want to mention here is this. That although aimless friendship with the world is dangerous, holy huddles will rob us of God's open doors for evangelism. We need to learn to get out of our salt shakers as salt so that we can get into the meat. Basically, it would not have been comfortable for this man to cross over. To, th there must have been enough around this high official of the queen for him to realize that this is not a place to play. But he obeyed God and got close enough to then realize that although there's this contrast, there's something in common. Let me make use of it. It seems to me that that's often our weakest point, and that we want us to discuss it as we will be talking. We, we find it easier to remain within our circle, our holy huddle, as it were. We, 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 we almost feel threatened by people we don't know, especially if they are of a different social, economic kind of context. But remember where I began. I began with the fact that in learning and in our careers, inevitably we move around. We go. With respect to the gospel, the Great Commission, we, we go. But what we need to do is to get near enough to people who need to hear the gospel and begin to raise the kind of questions that open doors for the gospel. Then opportunities come. Then we can share the gospel. And I'm deliberately just wanting to bring us up to that point and pause because often when that door is open, the sharing of the gospel, ah, we know it. And we are able to do so. What we are lacking in, and that's why it brought us to Acts 18, is the possibility, the opportunities that are actually ours, we just don't see them or we shy away from them. This story explains why you can be in the same town and the same church 
But one person sees so many open doors for evangelism everywhere. Well, somebody else doesn't. <laughs> and yet you are literally in the same place. So my question is, which one of these two represents you? Are you sitting in here tonight saying, no, this place, it's very difficult to, to, to have actual opportunities for me as a person, for us as a church together, to do evangelistic work? Or are you a person and a church that's saying, wow, there are so many open doors. We hardly know how to deal with them. My appeal is that you need to see that wherever God has put you is a place where you should be, as they say in medicine, on call. If you understand that phrase, well, at least Sister Victoria will. On call all the time. Being sensitive that the Lord may now be opening a door for me, for our church together, in order for us to minister this gospel. I hope we can talk about that as we come on to the question and answer opportunity. Thank you very much.